Dogs don't always have a whole lot of choice in their lives. They don't always get to decide what to do on a day-to-day basis. They don't always get to decide whether they want to do something or don't want to do something. Often we push them into doing things that maybe they aren't comfortable with for a variety of reasons. Today we're going to be thinking about the power threat meaning framework, which is something we use with people to understand our dogs better and also to understand our relationship between us and our dogs. Enjoy! Parenting your much-loved dog is a relationship like no other. Our dogs are individuals and there is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to training. Hi, I'm Dr Holly Tett, professional dog trainer and clinical psychologist, and each week on Letters from Your Dog, we'll look at understanding specific dog training questions and struggles from your dog's point of view. Thanks for being here. Let's get to the episode. Hey there, and welcome back to the Letters from Your Dog podcast. We are on episode number 16. Now, if you haven't listened to episodes 14 and 15 yet, I would recommend going back and listening to those too. They're a little bit of an intro to today's episode, and they kind of come as a trio. So if you've got some time, have a little binge listen listen (laughs) to episodes 14, 15, and then episode 16. So episode 16, today we're going to be talking about something that again is taken from human psychology, And it's something that's really helpful, I think, in human psychology. But I, of course, also like to think about it in terms of how we can understand our dogs. And most importantly, the relationship that we have with them. So it's something called the Power Threat Meaning Framework. It was developed by Johnson and Boyle in 2018 and it was primarily developed to help us to better understand mental health difficulties, mental health diagnoses and not just that but also generally how people, how humans interact with each other, how they bounce off of each other and how they respond to each other, why we behave in the way that we do. So if you've ever been in one of those situations where someone just really pushes your buttons, you don't know what it is about them, or maybe you do, but just when they interact with you, you just, they just get your back up in a way that if someone else said that same thing to you, it wouldn't have the same effect. What is it about that person that just creates that response in us or something that they say? So what we're going to be doing today is I'm going to give you a very brief overview of the power threat meaning framework we're going to talk about it in terms of people to get an understanding of it if you haven't heard of it before and then I'm going to give you an example for dogs so the most important part of this framework is power so what do we mean by power well there's lots of components to this the first one is thinking about well it's really about how power has shown up in your life so what role has power had for you? Have you had loads of power? Have you felt in control of your life? Or have there been other structures and people and things in your life that have meant that you felt powerless at times, as though you don't have control over your own decisions and your life choices and what you want to do? Now, almost all of us will have felt like that at some point, certainly as young children. In a lot of cases, our caregivers will have had power over us. And sometimes that's for really good reason to keep us safe, to teach us about the world. But sometimes not so good. Sometimes it's a little bit, it goes a bit wrong, right? And sometimes it can be well meant (laughs) in terms of having power over us. Like, for example, telling us to... um, to do certain things at school and maybe putting priority over a certain subjects and others when actually we would have been fantastic at those other subjects so sometimes it's well meant but actually it's not the best for us 
So I'm going to be thinking initially about power from others. So this could be something as simple as as what I've just said. So someone saying, actually, I think you should do these exams rather than these exams. And you're thinking, but I don't want to do those. But your mum or dad or whoever is saying, no, actually, it's more important that you do maths rather than art, for example, just as an example. Or it could be something a bit more serious than that. Maybe it's some bullying. That could be from a caregiver. That could be from a peer. That could be from a teacher, a teacher, (laughs) a teacher or someone else in some level of authority. Someone that's really putting you down and making you feel bad about yourself, really exerting their power over you. The second way that power can impact us is in a kind of ideas way I suppose societal ideas so ideas about gender roles maybe you were born as a female and so therefore you should play with dolls now I speak from personal experience I hated dolls as a kid oh my goodness I hated them (laughs) and I really remember going to a birthday party and um, so my thing was always animals always 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 animals Um, and I also quite like trucks (laughs) and I remember playing um, putting like a, a panda bear in a truck and pushing it around and I remember one of the other parents I was really quite young I was probably only about five saying no they're for the boys you need to play with the dolls they're for the girls and I remember being really frustrated and really annoyed (laughs) and I mean this was quite quite a few years ago now I won't say quite how many years but a long time ago but it's something that I think is more spoken about now that actually that does not need to happen just because I had a female gender assigned to me at birth that I therefore should only play with dolls and not play with trucks but that's again someone exerting some power over me in that situation. The third one is thinking about things like the education system and other kind of systems that exist in society, you know, that we are told that this is what we're expected to do. We're expected to go to school for this amount of time and then we're expected to go to college maybe or maybe we're not expected to go to college and it's very odd for us to do that and then on to university or not on to university we're expected to get a certain job and we're expected to work nine to five maybe or shift patterns, all that kind of thing. Now you might be thinking, well, yeah, but that's just how society runs. It is, of course, we have to have structures in place. But sometimes if you feel like you're being pushed into a situation or pushed into a mould that doesn't really fit with you, that's another example of how power can be used to actually make you feel not quite so good. There's a few others. So things like the legal system, some laws that really disadvantage certain people or certain groups of people. Could be something even a bit more serious like really coercive power. Maybe someone's used something to push you into making a decision or behaving in a way that you really didn't want. And that really stands out for me when thinking about dog training and animal training really like yanking a dog out of the way or pushing them into a sit when they don't want to sit down or forcing them to do something they don't want to do when that dog is giving you such clear signals that they're not feeling okay that's really coercive and that's not okay in my book for people or for animals 
Maybe there's something physical about you that makes you different or makes you stand out. I remember um, I'm very, very tall (laughs) and I quite like it now. I quite embrace it now, even though I can't get trousers anywhere. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) But when I was younger, I felt very self-conscious about being tall. And I remember um, school picture. So the picture of the whole year, which was, I don't know, about like 60 kids or something like that. I was always in the middle at the back and it made me really (laughs) self-conscious. Now, it's not the end of the world and I'm not going to be crying about it, crying into my pillow about it at my age. But at the time, it did not feel good. And then lastly, thinking about economic factors. So do things like poverty or the opposite, do things like wealth actually give us those kinds of situations where we feel like we have to behave or we have to fit into certain boxes because we fall below a certain poverty line or above a certain wealth line. So there's a few things to think about there. So lots of ways that power can be exerted over us from various different influences. Okay, so moving on to to the threat now. So when we're thinking about the threat, we're thinking about the emotional threat. So how this affects us in an emotional way. So how did those these powers, whatever they were for you, how did they affect you? Did it mean that you didn't get what you needed sometimes? Did you feel unsafe emotionally because you were put into a certain box based on characteristics that you had? You were put into a certain category where you didn't really want to be or you didn't really feel like you should be in that category. And then it's the meaning that we put on it. So we've had the power, we've had the threat that it gives to us. And now we're thinking about the meaning. So this is something that we spoke about a couple of episodes ago. So that's why I told you to go back and listen to those episodes first. So when you did feel left out or put in a situation where you didn't really want to be, what meaning did you give that? What did it mean about you? So my example of me as a very, very tall child, much head and shoulders above everyone else, stood in the middle at the back at the time... I said, oh God, I'm such a freak. I'm such a weirdo. Why do I look so different? I must be really unattractive compared to everyone else. That was the meaning that I gave it. And for years, and actually even now, to be honest, I hate having my picture taken by myself. I feel really awkward, really uncomfortable. But even worse, when I'm with someone else who's much shorter than me, I'll sort of like bend my knees or lean in sideways so I don't look so tall. And actually, I feel quite comfortable with my height now, but that still overhangs and <laughs> that still stayed with me. So what meaning do we give it when we feel like we've been threatened? Second to last is thinking about the response. So what did we then do as a response? So if you were someone that maybe felt as though you didn't have much power as a young person and though all of your autonomy was taken away, all your decisions were made for you and you were told what you had to do, maybe you did a little rebellion. (laughs) Maybe you went out and took some drugs or maybe you went out and partied when you weren't allowed to or maybe you handed in a paper that you knew was going to get a bad mark just to rebel against whoever it was that was telling you you had to behave in a certain way. And then what we think about as psychologists when we're working with people and thinking about all of these things and why we have these patterns in our behaviour is we also want to look at the strengths. So what did it take? What did you take from it? What have you got now? What power do you have now as an adult that you can exert and be like, yeah, (laughs) these are my skills. This is where I belong. These are the people that I want to be with. This is the job that I want to do. Could be something as simple as saying, 
I spent my whole life saying and um, doing things to please this person or to make that person happy but actually now I'm going to do something that makes me happy something as simple as that and I say simple but that's not always easy to do <laughs> anyone that's ever made that change in their life will know that for sure Okay, so that's a brief run through of the power threat meaning framework. What powers have been exerted over you that you maybe didn't like? How did it make you feel? How did it threaten your emotional well-being? How did you then make meaning out of that? What did you say it meant for you or the people around you? How did you respond? What did you do? How did you behave? How do you continue to respond? And then what strengths can you draw from that experience now? Can you take a step back now and say, actually, I've got quite a bit of power in my life? Or if you don't, how can you start to get some? So let's think a little bit about dogs now. Let's move on to the doggies. (laughs) So I think you'd probably agree with me to say that a lot of dogs don't have a whole lot of power, unfortunately. We have brought them into our lives. We expect them to mould, to live in a human world, really. And I think what's been lovely over the last few years is a real push and a real kind of encouragement of people to let dogs be dogs. So we can do wonderful training and we can build a wonderful dog-human relationship, but let them do the things that they love to do. Let them sniff, let them roll in fox poo, let them swim, let them splash around, let them bark sometimes if they want to. Let them do things that are natural to them. Just as you want to reclaim your power and you want to say, actually, I'm not going to stand in the middle of the photo. I'm not going to be the tall one. Actually, let your dog make some choices that give them a little bit of power back as well. So let's take an example here. I'm going to take a very commonly used example. This is something that you may well be having with your dog. And we're going to think about nail clipping. So lots of dogs dislike nail clipping. And I would say there's a real kind of... um, pyramid I guess so you've got the dogs that are that love having their nails clipped that's probably quite rare dogs that tolerate it dogs that really aren't a fan and will try and get away from you dogs that are terrified and may actually be quite aggressive towards you and might even need sedation at the vet or something like that um and dogs that you 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 just absolutely can't go anywhere anywhere near their nails when they are conscious so (laughs) quite a degree there I would say now thinking about it in terms of the power threat meaning framework they don't have a whole lot of power in that situation often they are being physically restrained they are having something done to their body that they do not consent to in most cases that they are frightened of so they feel as though their body is under threat and I would certainly say that their emotional state is under threat in that situation So your dog is fearful, they're frightened, they're scared of whatever is going on (laughs) with those clippers. They don't understand that you're just trying to help them and make sure their nails are nice and short and trimmed. For them, it's a really scary thing. So we want to think about what needs aren't being met here. And I would say emotional safety is probably the paramount one because even though your dog fears that you're going to physically hurt them that's not actually going to happen unless you accidentally cut the quick but that's a whole other story (laughs) more likely to happen unfortunately if they are flailing around but it's the emotional safety and it's the connection between you and your dog because if you're working really hard to build a great relationship with your dog 
And then once a week, once a month, however often you go to do their nails, it's a massive traumatic experience. That's going to set you back a few steps. So we want to really think about how can we get our dogs to trust us in this situation? Because that's what's, that's what's being damaged every time we put that dog, and I'm talking about the dogs that really hate it, every time we restrain them and hold them down and clip their nails. If they won't come near you and they hide in the corner for 10 minutes or an hour or something like that, that's a little bit of trust that's being eroded there, which is not something that we want to do. Remember that when your dog is responding, when they are growling and struggling and trying to get away from you, it's a survival response. So when they do feel emotionally and physically threatened in that way, they're doing what they can to survive. They're doing what they do, they can in that moment to feel okay and to feel safe. So when they do snap at you, it's not that they don't love you. <laughs> it is just, oh my gosh, get away from me. And that's um, a normal, normal response for a dog. So let's move on to thinking about the strengths now. This is something that can be overcome and the knock-on effect for your relationship is enormous. So if you can get a dog who is at the moment terrified of having their nails clipped to be in a position where they feel comfortable or even like having their nails clipped, it might well be a very long journey of a few months to a year to get them to that point. But the knock-on relationship, sorry, the knock-on effect to your relationship is enormous, absolutely huge, because they're not being put in that compromised emotional state week after week or month after month. All the good work that you are doing is going to be maintained. You're not going to be taking five steps forward and 10 steps backwards, which is absolutely not the position that we want to be in. So think about actually this might this might be a little bit of short term this might be a bit of medium term pain in terms of working up nice and slowly but the long term gain is going to be absolutely incredible so in terms of how you would start to work with that it is going to be a process of desensitization and what we call cooperative care so really teaching our dogs to give us the signal when they are happy for us to proceed and initially that might be to proceed by them looking at the dremel or the clippers it might be on the other side of the room potentially and then from there we're going to work up to them coming towards it towards the sound going on if you're using a dremel or the sound of clippers if you're using clippers whatever it is that you're using thinking about eventually touching a paw touching an individual toe moving towards give letting your dog give you a signal that they're comfortable to proceed and if they stop giving you that signal then you're gonna um take your hands away and you're gonna stop doing whatever it is that you do it's all about building trust so so often where people go wrong with this is they say oh well the dog's lifted their head up which says they're not comfortable anymore but i'm just gonna do one more because i've got him here no 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 (laughs) do not bring the threat back in there do not use your power to make your dog feel threatened okay I hope that's helpful to think about the power threat meaning framework in that way I think it's a really helpful framework not only for people but also for dogs and most importantly like I said at the beginning for our relationship between us and our furry friends okay everyone I will see you next time take care
Just before you go, I've got three really cool things to talk to you about. So if you didn't catch our autumn series, we do this every single year in the autumn and it's a series of workshops around really common dog training struggles and questions that you guys ask me all the time. So this year we spoke about stress barking and how to help, resource guarding and how to help, separation anxiety and how to help, how to crack your toilet training and my most favourite one that's near and dear to my heart which is how to help your rehome dog feel safe and confident so if you haven't caught those workshops yet I will pop the link in the show notes so you can catch up on those secondly if you have a new puppy or you're expecting one anytime soon maybe one near to Christmas which is always a popular time for puppies be sure to check out my workshop it's a masterclass all about my five training secrets for puppy training magic and it's completely free so I will pop the link to that masterclass in the show notes as well And last but not least, if you have a question that you would like me to talk about or to answer on the podcast, there's a link again in the show notes where you can submit your question live, where you can pop in your question and then I will play it out on the podcast for everyone to hear and then answer it for you. So if you've got something really burning that you would like me to answer, be sure to submit your question live for us and you may be one of the lucky ones, then we answer your question. All right, guys, take care.